I would just be sitting somewhere and all of a sudden just get this horrible feeling, just this panic attack, the sweating, and for no reason. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. I keep it in a box in my brain, and I'm not going to open that box because it's too overwhelming. If I start crying, I'll never stop. Suddenly I'm lost on my street, on my block. Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Haven't you been there for me? Can't you see? I'm losing my mind this time, this time. I think it's for real, I can see. All the treetops turning red, the bagels near bodegas grin Me, I think they want something, I close my eyes, I tell myself to breathe And be calm, be calm I know you feel like you were breaking down Well, I know it gets so hard sometimes Be calm Another school shooting a terrorist attack. I mean, there's always something in the news that can strike at the core of our being and create fear. And for us, living in a constant culture of what's next? Are the kids safe at school? Are you worried about grandkids? What's next? What do you think's going to happen next? I believe that there's going to be another school shooting. I believe there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to be out of our control. How? Do we deal with this? How do we not live with a heavy spirit of fear in our lives? What do you do when the world feels unsafe? I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, and you're listening to Life, Love, and Family. Right now, we're seeing more what's called generalized anxiety disorder. You've got the sweaty palms, you feel it in your stomach, and maybe your heart rate's gone up. If you've ever had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden your heart's pounding, you feel sweaty, you wake up with that pending doom where anxiety has actually woken you up out of sleep. This is a real issue that many are being faced with. And we want to examine what's going to keep us from going over the edge. Sam, who's faithfully in the studio with me, is here today. Well, I know you're the guy that CNN calls. I know that local stations call you when something happens that's a big national tragedy. You're the one who a lot of times is giving the psychological profile and report on what went on. And what do you say like when you're yes. on these national news stations because you're not only representing the psychological end of it, but also the spiritual end of it? Well, I want to represent both truth and hope. But how do we deal with significant traumas? If you've ever been a victim of something that was very traumatic, there was a crime or a shooting, or you had a family member who was a victim of a, mm. a crime, and it was to say it's traumatic is an understatement. It does something to us. You walk away with this, I call it a hypervigilant. You're just always on edge, and you're always feeling like, Something's going to happen, and you just can't get that balance back in your life. I'm anxious. I can't make simple decisions. It's like, okay, I don't know what to wear today. I don't know what to eat. And just simple decisions when we have a life of anxiety are very difficult for us to make. I had a gal just recently say, my mom was a worrywart. It's just the way we are. Is it? We can learn worry. That's the point. Worry growing up in a family where 
everybody's worrying about something. And have you noticed the language? Some homes, there's a lot of language around fear. And so we learn how to be a pretty good worrier. I had a grandmother. She was the queen of worry. And grandma was a great prayer warrior, and she prayed me through college, and she helped me in many different ways. But she had perfected the art of worry. I saw it. I remember as a kid knowing that something's off. There was so much worry, and yet grandma was a prayer warrior. But she learned how to worry by those that raised her. And worry is a mental process. What if I'm not wearing the right thing today? What if things don't go well today at work? In your mind, mentally, you just keep recycling all the what ifs. So worry is mental. It's our self-talk. Worry is all that discussion you have with yourself and your brain. So if we could plug on a little microphone on your brain and listen to all the things you were saying to yourself, <laughs> you know, would it be a lot of worry language? If you noticed, if you dwell a lot on worry, and scriptures talk about this, that I can move it over, cross the line, and now worry becomes anxiety. You feel it in your stomach. It's hit you physically. And now, instead of just the what-ifs in your mind, your body is kind of taken over. Your body's feeling worry because it's now been turned into anxiety. When you're talking about this as a family culture, it's interesting because it almost sounds like worry and maybe even anxiety are a badge of honor, that that's our code. Yes. We may have been trained really well growing up, mm -hmm. and we may be feeling really anxious today, maybe life events, and we can retrain ourselves. And it is a process. There's spiritual truths we've got to replant into our lives. We've got to learn how, I call it re-anchoring. We've got to re-anchor to what the truth is. You've got to really get into this and say, I'm going to change. I understand my thinking's faulty. And I'm going to need to change some things about my thinking. Now, sometimes we need a little extra help. There's folks that where anxiety disorder has become so severe that they're not functioning. And it is a situation where it's serious and it can be disabling. I think of a gal who I worked with a number of years ago. She shares her story. I have permission to share her story. She was a person that had a lot of worry. She worked in a high rise in downtown Every day had a pretty significant commute, had to get on an elevator every day and go up pretty high up in this high rise. And wouldn't you know it, there was a day that that elevator stopped working. And her and a group of people were froze midpoint in this building. The elevator just stopped. You know, that's a pretty uncomfortable yeah. feeling. Elevator stops, you go, ugh. They immediately were helped. They weren't in there longer than 10 or 15 minutes. It was brought down to the next floor and dealt with. But she noticed the next day, here she is in front of the elevator and she's trying to push the button to go up. Mm -hmm. And her finger like freezes. She will mm -hmm. not push that elevator button because her knees were shaky and she felt a little sweaty, a little kind of hyperventilating. And she goes, I can't get on this elevator. Yeah. And so she took stairs. It was not a short flight of stairs. And she noticed over time that she couldn't even get up to the second story anymore because she'd be climbing the stairs and her knees would get shaky. Mm. And this anxiety, this trauma had really taken a stronghold in her life. And she ultimately couldn't get out of her house to drive downtown, to commute, was overwhelming. And so when I say today that fear has a ripple effect, if we don't address it, that fear and anxiety tends to take hold of us. I use the term stronghold, which is an interesting term, which can kind of 
imply some spiritual implications. And I do believe that the enemy can use fear in our lives to freeze us from what God has called us to do. You talked about re-anchoring and retraining as you're trying to change those little tracks that go in your brain. What are some practical things that you tell people to do? We're going to keep track of things in our life. For example, do I really have time for myself? How am I taking care of my self-care? Am I doing activities that are really important to me or am I a slave to a schedule? So one of the things that happens is if we're overbooked and there's no margins, there's no self-care, it's kind of a ticking time bomb situation. Ultimately, something will break. And so I'm going to have you monitor activities. I'm going to monitor food intake. I'm going to have you monitor ultimately sleep. So we're going to first start by monitoring and get some feedback. Some people think, well, yes, I'm getting plenty of sleep. Well, you're going to bed consistently very late and you're up at 5 a.m. or earlier. You never feel good in the morning. And you realize that you wake up a lot during the night. Am I really getting restful sleep? So we're going to examine every area of your life. Where are you allowing for spiritual development and spiritual growth? Where are you renewing your mind, so to speak? We're going to look at all those areas. If I'm paralyzed by anxiety, I'm probably having difficulty in all these areas. Right, right. That it's not just one little thing. It's a whole life-consuming kind of a thing to have happen to you. Talking about how even your language, and especially in those families where worry is part of the culture, that your language reflects some of your fear, some of your worry. How do you change your words? Because that's so part of who we are and how we speak and think. Sometimes I've got to deal with some fairly significant traumas in my life. Something may have happened that I've got to be willing to look at that may have really started this anxiety in my life. Did I have, for example, a very significant loss early on in my life? Was I a victim of any form of something that was abusive? Mm -hmm. Was I living in a home where there was addiction and the home didn't feel real stable Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of uncertainties in my home? So that was traumatic. I could have been on the receiving end of a lot of emotional abuse. What do you do with it once you recognize, oh, maybe it was this thing that happened when I was eight and you have the event in your mind How do you deal with it in a way that gets you past it? I think of a gal who was a victim of sexual abuse. To think about even talking about that, to think about even dealing with that, seemed simply overwhelming. It just froze her. She said, I keep it in a box in my brain. Right. And I'm not going to open that box because it's too overwhelming. And she said, if I start crying, I'll never stop. I mean, that's the feeling. So I think there's times where... We need somebody to come alongside us, a counselor who can really be of help, because we can sometimes get re-traumatized. There's times that there's people in our lives that tell us, you know what, that was a long time ago. You just need to get over it. And so they're making harsh judgments about us and maybe frustrated with us. They may even say, when are you going to forgive that person? That was 20 years ago. That's not helpful. It's like being re-traumatized. Yes, you've got to be willing to look at it. And if we'll pray and pray, okay, Lord, show me those things that I need to know in order for me to have victory here. What do I need to know? What do I need to deal with? And I bet if you pulled out a piece of paper and prayed that prayer and just started writing for 15 minutes, I suspect most of it will come out on paper. 
on Life, Love, and Family. Today, we're talking about how you cope with fear and what you can do if you feel like it's starting to paralyze you and leak over into your life. Either you or someone you love, there is help, 888-771-5166. The center is a place of hope. There's something that comes out at times with our kids and family members that's really called social anxiety. I'm afraid of social situations. I avoid going to gatherings, maybe even going to church. I almost try to be invisible because I'm anxious around people. And it can be from something that happened to you and you felt shame or embarrassment, but there's the social anxiety. Can it just be a personality thing? It, well, sometimes we'll say, well, you know, I'm shy. Yeah. But, and that's okay. You can be shy, but does it keep you from being in relationship with people? Do I avoid people and places and situations because, quote, I'm shy? If that is you, then do you push through it and it gets better, or do you? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a I'm going to have a buddy, a friend with you, who's going to always be at your side, and you're going to go out and experiment with some new situations. You're going to have somebody with you, and then you're going to actually practice being the initiator in conversations in new settings that involve people. So have you actually seen people who were paralyzed by the social gathering grow into someone who could go out and just be comfortable in conversation? Yes, they practice a new boldness. And you need to remember that who you are and what you have to say matters. Mm -hmm. You really do count. And you need to share who you are with other people. Times I've been so conditioned to feel anxious around people that I just paralyze. I can't think what to say. And so you're going to know ahead of time what it is you might share about yourself. You're going to begin a conversation, maybe with a compliment. You're going to walk up to somebody and your heart's pounding a bit. And you're going to say, I just, I noticed you, you have a great smile and begin a dialogue on a positive note. This sounds like something that would be so useful for parents to teach their kids and especially a kid who's particularly shy to practice and work on it so that they can get smooth like that. Yes, and uh, you can teach your kids to introduce themselves and how to shake a hand and begin a process. Part of the anxiety comes from we don't know what to do. Okay. So we're going to take that out. We're going to go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Every time I have a conversation, I'm going to do these three things. As you build upon successes, you probably won't need that relationship buddy next to you, and you'll begin to go into situations on your own. So social anxiety, I want to acknowledge can be a really big deal. What about if parents somehow subconsciously share their fear with kids? Do you ever see that oh, in families? Oh, I do. And we need to remember our kids, picture this, they're the sponge. And whatever I keep saying around them, they're going to soak in. So if my language is, oh, I'm so anxious about this, or I'm afraid, and I'm using that term a lot, I'm afraid, your kids are going to pick up on that. It may be very innocent on your part, but what's your language? What's the language of the family? Is it more hope and optimism, or is there just plain a lot of fear? Because with fear can come a lot of frustration. With fear can become issues of anger. It's like when you say a negative to your kids, remember it takes at least five positives. If I'm fearful and saying fearful things, how many positives does it take? Use the same formula. Wow. Think of it this way. We all need a look a touch, and a word. So when you meet somebody or you're with your kids, what do they need from you? They need comfort and security. And how do I give comfort and security? Through how I look at them, how I touch them, and how I speak to them. 
For example, if you've had somebody come up to you and touch you on the shoulder while they say something positive, it reinforces that positive. With your kids, do you pat them on the back and say, wow, that was a great score on the test, <laughs> if it was. <laughs> okay. I say this because I'm in the middle of this. I have kids. They're in school. This is real life for me. So kids are going to be hypersensitive to anything they perceive as negative or disapproval. Is it ever appropriate to pair a touch with a negative thing that you're saying? I mean, does it help to soften it a little bit if you hold their hand while you say, I'm gonna, you need to do better? I, I, can, I can end mm. uh, with, a, with a positive and a belief about, I know you can do this. I believe in you. And then the touch or a hug nice. at that point. Okay. Today on Life, Love, and Family, we're looking at what happens when fear starts to cripple you, and maybe it's something in the news, or maybe it's something you're dealing with in your own life. How do you get the peace back? How do you get the balance back? The center is a place of hope, 888-771-5166. You're the person that people call at CNN, at different local stations, radio, and television when national Mm. tragedies hit, just trying to get the pulse of the land and how are people doing psychologically. Is that ever hard for you, having to look at the dark parts of the news and deal with those in in a really public way? I see people, how they're affected by these things. And we've got to deal with the reality. When there's a school shooting, it's traumatic and it has a huge ripple effect into our families and our kids and that repeated trauma. We've had so many of these, it doesn't get any easier. And this can never be a routine. Mm. It can never be a routine. We want to really deal with things accurately we need to look at what do we need to do here and what do we need to do for our kids to not only feel safe but for our kids to be safe yeah this can lead to our kids repeated traumas to something loosely we've called panic attack okay and maybe you know somebody who's had a panic attack and here's how it happens i recall uh, an individual who we worked with who was driving down the freeway Man, they're cruising down the freeway they're in the center lane and all of a sudden vision gets a little blurry you break out in a sweat and it's like, whoa, and my heart's pounding away. And you think, and this individual thought, I'm having a heart attack and I'm driving. And, and they did their best to get over to the side of the road, cross the lanes, got over to the side of the road, pulled over, sitting there, heart's pounding, blurry vision. And in just a few minutes, it passes. Well, what they had was not a heart attack, though it may have felt like that the tension in the chest, what they had was loosely called a panic attack. And a panic attack can sneak up on you like that, and your body is reacting. So remember that anxiety and fear? Well, over time, if I don't deal with it, it's going to go somewhere. Your body is just taking all that, and you're having a panic attack. It's trying to get rid of it. We have Cindy with us right now sharing just a little bit about what it's like to have a panic attack. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Cindy, tell us, you know what we're talking about today? Yes, I've been listening for the last few minutes. It really could speak to my life. I just have compassion for people who are going through this. And yes. You've had this experience then? Yes, many times. I used to drink because of anxiety. Alcohol seemed to calm it down, but then after a while it made it worse. And then I've gone into some recovery and quit drinking I would just be sitting somewhere and all of a sudden just get this horrible feeling, just this panic attack, the sweating, and for no reason. What was um, that, Cindy? What was I, that like for you? It was terrifying. Okay. I, oftentimes I had to just leave the building or wherever it was to get outside, first of all, to get air, fresh air, 
and sometimes I would just have to get, kind of touch a tree or touch something that would kind of ground me to feeling the earth below me. I know that sounds really strange, but sometimes I just couldn't feel my own body because of the anxiety. It was just overwhelming. Did you know what was going on at the time? No, at the time I did not. I just know I was just feeling really afraid and uh, couldn't identify it until I started to see a counselor that was helping me Good. put words to my feelings. And I began to journal, talk to the Lord more about it. And I had a friend that I kind of had a contract with a friend who had recovered from anxiety. And she gave me permission to call her every time I would have one of these Good. Issues. What a and good friend. Sometimes it would just hit me in the middle of the night. And I would call her and we would pray. And every single time we prayed, I would kind of start to move through it. She would talk me through it. And it was over a process of some time, the Lord began to just bring healing in my life through prayer with her. And also journaling really helped me because I began to identify some of the fears. Cindy, what did you find out about yourself from journaling? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a really hard time accepting myself. I was a perfectionist, and I felt that if a circumstance or something didn't go my way, that somehow I was wrong. And so I internalized a lot of those kinds of thoughts, and it would come out later as anxiety, dealing with my perfectionism. I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about a lot of things, and you kind of had to guess at what normal was. So I found myself as an adult trying to guess at what normal was a lot. Today, are you free from panic attacks? I am. For the most part, I am. Occasionally, I might have a twinge of it. I'm I'm much more able to just recognize that that's what it is. Nothing like it used to physically. I would sweat, get, I mean, sometimes I would vomit. But now if if I can just get some air and I'll just get quiet and take some deep breaths, get some oxygen to my brain. Yes. Because I know that that's what, you know, my counselor would say. She goes, when you're having the anxiety, you stop breathing notice that. And I'm like, yes, I would physically just kind of stop breathing or just breathe shallow. And she said, just take some slow, deep breaths, get oxygen to my brain. And that began to kind of slow me down. And what do you you tell yourself mentally when this begins to happen? What do you say to yourself? Well, my favorite scripture is Isaiah 43. Mm. Um, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And began to say that to myself and began to believe that his love to cast out that fear, and it's very true. And that scripture just became so much a part of me that I could say that, and the Holy Spirit would minister to me through that scripture. Cindy, so this is that, that scripture became it gave you life, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it really has. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad you oh. shared that because that's the power of the word, and just how it's renewing your spirit. You can stand on that. Yes. And I still, I still do that. My husband and I will remind each other of that, to fear not, because it truly is God's love that casts out fear. That's right. Has it changed other people around you? Well, it's definitely changed my relationship to just life itself, really, and how I view life. I'm, I'm a much more relaxed person now, more connected as far as being able to listen. I have much more compassion for other people as a result of my own recovery. You know, more understanding, really. Really, the reality is I can get out of this. I can move through this. There is a different way. 
Your story is a very important one, and I thank you for sharing it today. Thank you. God thank bless you, Cindy. you. God bless you. Part of what gives me the encouragement is I can see and know of people that really walk in victory. They've walked out of this, and I'm going to say it's with God's help. This really is about overcoming. Don't let fear paralyze you or a family member. Let's be overcomers. The more you focus on danger, the more danger that you'll see. You've probably noticed that, the more anxious you feel. But we do have a Heavenly Father who does not want us to live that way. Fear no longer needs to paralyze you. God's Word does tell us that we're not to fear. But as you've listened today, you may have realized, I am fearing and my life has shrunk. Let's make a decision today that I begin to reclaim my life. I'm Dr. Greg Jantz. And you've heard me mention the book, Overcoming Anxiety, Worry, and Fear. It's a book that I authored because of the degree of this problem and for you to know there's hope. I've also talked about the center, a place of hope. We focus on a whole person approach and for the last 30 years, we've helped people have victory from paralyzing fear. I'd like to help you overcome fears and find a healthy balance emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We can change. We can learn new ways, but we may need help to get there. Make note of this phone number, 888-771-5166. Again, it's the center, a place of hope, 888-771-5166. I do want to personally thank you for listening to Life, Love, and Family. My friend and colleague, Dr. Tim Clinton, started this program to help encourage and equip all of us in this culture we're living in, and there's hope. For more resources and to learn more about what's available, visit the website, lifeloveandfamily.net. And remember, when the world feels frightening, let's not forget the words of Jesus, these words of truth and power. 
peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's hope and you can walk in it today. Life, love, and family. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166 or for help right now visit aplaceofhope.com. 